You're listening to School Crack, Ireland's first and foremost Magic the Gathering podcast. I'm your host, David Wolf, and I'm joined here by... Kieran and Alan. How's it going? It is going well. I am going. The, the, the sun is going. Uh, oh. My climb of the ladder is going. Oh. It's all going. How how are you on the ladder? <laughs> um, platinum 2. Oh. Okay. Uh, which is, isn't that high, but uh, I, I've been stuck on gold for a very long time. All right. Um, you know, just another uh, push and uh, and you'll be into diamond. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, 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 <laughs> yeah, and I suppose it's, it's um, in terms of if you want to then I'll dive right in. Um, it's uh, yeah, I, I've definitely struggled with the ladder. Um, I kind of it's this is an issue you ran into before. I think well for you, you kind of felt like every every time you tried a new deck, uh, you just sort of you were just put up against. You felt like you were just being matched against uh, its worst matchups. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I suppose yeah, that, that's gonna yeah yeah that's basically what's been happening. Um. Okay. Uh, I am. Um, I yeah. I, I tell you, what, I started from that. I've been trying a whole a, a wide range of new decks and um. Yeah, whole, whole range of different team decks, different elemental decks, uh, all sorts of stuff. And um, yeah, I decided to go nowhere. So I think a lot of, a lot of those decks, and I suppose it's, it's, it's also very frustrating because they say if I was playing, I've, I've been playing, say, um, the uh, the team of ramp deck with Omnath, with uh, Risen Reef, and with uh, Mass Manipulation. So they kind of lead to big, com- big complicated games, like especially like the Mirror. So I think there's like, let's say, like, I don't know, I mean, even after work, I'd probably, get, I'd probably play like four matches. Uh, I'd like play two mirrors and like, they'd be like very very long very very intricate uh, and I'd win those and i feel like a god uh, and then you know match three I just you know go, uh, I get matched against Monterey to lose uh, then match four I go against Feather the Feather uh, deck is very very strong and the teamer decks can <laughs> does, does completely fall to it um, but then yeah after you know after a long, a long stretch of playing Magic I'm just like staring at a you know gold four just going back to being blank uh, after, after two very long wins and two quick losses you're just like this is a load of balls, but um, <laughs> it's okay because I found a new deck, which we can discuss later, which uh, is the best deck in the format, Ooh. which you may disagree with. I definitely, well, unless we're thinking of the same deck, then <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I definitely <clears throat> think that uh, Teamer is, Teamer Elementals, or I think the Elementals decks are bad, basically. And uh, yeah, we'll, like, like you say, we'll we'll get back to that later. Uh, we have to say that yeah. Kieran is out this week. He's uh, well, how should I say it? He's on holidays. He's on his holly bobs. <laughs> There's no other way to say it. Send some. You know, we've been all be, uh, we've been uh, on our WhatsApp group. Kind of send pictures of cards, picture of decks, picture lists, and then you know, Kieran's just tweeting uh, your beautiful, beautiful pictures of the Kerry countryside. And uh, we're like, oh yes, uh, outside, outside does look pretty good right now. Yeah. Got to, got to solve the format first. Exactly. Kieran, Kieran got there, so he doesn't have to worry about it. He's <laughs> mythic already, you know? He, he got there in the first couple of days. Yeah, those are the perks of uh, early mythic, definitely. Yep, plenty of time to relax in the sunshine. Uh, okay, so yep. we've got a bit of news this week. We've got a developer update on Arena, and we have got the banned and restricted announcement that was uh, due last week that we kind of speculated about a little bit. Uh, and I think Kieran was the one who ended up winning our little bet. And I also have a tournament to report on, and yeah, we'll talk a little bit about standard in in that discussion. What do you want to kick it off with? Do you want to kick it off with banned and restricted or developer update? Yeah, I guess banned and restricted makes more sense because uh, <laughs> that's old news by now. Uh, I suppose we had we gave a deep discussion uh, about it last week. Um, 
uh, yeah, if you want to start there, if you'd like to do the honors. Sure. I open up the uh, actual. Yeah, so this was released uh, last Monday, just after our big discussion on it. And yeah, Kieran, Kieran turned out to be correct. So Bridge from Below was banned. And basically, there's a, an article here by Ian Duke with their rationale behind the ban. And they just said that the Hogak deck had an absurd win percentage over 60% on Magic Online, uh, over three times as many 5-0 trophies as the deck with the next most, uh, had a high win rate against Rogue decks, had only two unfavorable matchups among the other 10 most played decks, game one win rate of only of about 66%. Uh, requiring decks to sideboard heavily against it. So uh, for all these reasons, they decided that something needed to be done about the Hogak deck, and they took took a look at three different cards. So they never even, well, according to this article, they never considered Faithless Looting, but whatever. Uh, so they considered Hogak, yeah. Dementia, and Bridge from Below. And they basically identified that, like like a lot of us said last week, that Bridge from Below is the one that could probably be consistently abused and could be a problem in the future and was the thing that was really putting the deck over over the edge. So they decided to take action against that. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I guess uh, in our discussions, we were, I guess you were going to say Hogak because Hogak itself to be banned because it's a, it's a very new card. Um, and I guess, yeah, it was between Bridge from Below and Alter Dementia, I guess, yeah. We, we wanted, <laughs> overall, we wanted them to ban uh, Fatal Fleeting. But I guess it's like, yeah, it's, it's oh, one could say that, oh, uh, you know, what's here far too cowardly to ban uh, Fatal Fleeting? Because that is probably the right thing to do. Uh, but they won't do it because it'll make too many people upset. Um, but yeah, so I guess we have from between, we have Bridge from Low and Alter Dementia. Uh, I guess the, yeah, the argument for it banning Alter Dementia is that it has the least uh, splash damage. Um, but then I guess, I bridge from below. I, I, something that uh, Ian alludes to in the article is that it, it really, it really just limits the design space of graveyard cards in general. Uh, like once, as long as bridge from below exists, there's so there's so little you can do um, in terms of uh, design space uh, within the graveyard. And then I guess Hogak is a perfect example of, of a card that you know, would be very, very powerful and maybe even reasonable um, if it wasn't for bridge from below. Just uh, bridge from below existing just turns it into a, a ridiculous card. Um, and also, as an ultimate dimension, it's like yeah, it's a unique effect that's. It's only played in this in this deck for you know this reason, um, but I guess the, the, that Altered Dimensions effect alone uh, doesn't necessarily have that restrictive is isn't restrictive to the design space, uh, so maybe that is fine, and then we can continue to prove that. Yeah, and like without Bridge from Below in the deck, Altered Dementia is not as powerful, and it just becomes kind of a tool of the deck rather than a combo piece as much, um, which is what is mentioned here in the article as well, and just to take note as well, Alter Dementia was just printed into Modern from Modern Horizons as well, like it, it was a card that existed before, but I would imagine that a lot of the copies out there are the Modern Horizons copies because it wasn't in, in Modern before that, and obviously it was reprinted there so that's yeah. another reason that they were considering that or not considering that Yeah, I guess yeah, you could say it's essentially a new card, same way Hogak's a new card so uh, they kind of, it's reasonable for them to want people to continue to through with an uh, Ultra Dementia within a modern uh, to figure more stuff out. You gotta, all you can do with Bridge from Below is brew in Legacy, and I have lost it many times in Legacy, so it's, it's a, it, it is a thing. All right, well that's uh, that's good to know for all the all the people who bought their Bridge from Belows. I'm sure they can still maybe sell them off to some Legacy player somewhere. Yeah. So overall, I think this is this was a pretty good ban. Uh, it was pretty surgical. Oh. That's not that's not a pun. 
pun not intended. Um, it was it was just like something that depowers the deck without destroying it. So like the deck can still exist, and it also takes a card out of modern that is definitely a card that you would look at as a problem and potentially a problem in future decks. But I I don't even I don't understand the one thing that I don't understand about this whole announcement was that they didn't even mention faithless looting at all. And like I don't understand what's yeah. the difference between faithless looting and all the one mana blue cantrips that are that that are banned from modern. Like I guess it doesn't draw you a card, it puts you down cards. Well, it doesn't really put you down cards because it's in your graveyard, so it kind of does draw you a card. Draws you another faithless looting. Yeah, I guess it's like I don't know. I mean, it's it it is different. Yeah, as well, it's card it's card disadvantage uh, when you initially cast it. You know, whereas yeah, your 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 card parity card parity is that a phrase? Yeah, well, it is now. You're 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 replacing all the other cantrips, so you're getting value back straight away. So I guess yeah, if someone uh, casts a front side of Fatal Zooting, um, if you manage to disrupt the graveyard between them casting Fatal between them casting Fatal Zooting and flashing it back, then they're you know, quote unquote down a card. Uh, like on the surface, that's why it's fine, I guess. But then I guess the a lot of decks that play. Uh, the play phase looting aren't even like you're not even playing uh, magic on the axis of card advantage. So it's like like dredge or something where the cards in your hand are, are irrelevant. Um, exactly. All, all it does is dig you dig you cards and make make what you're doing more consistent, which is what the blue cantrips were doing. It makes games play out the same way. That's that's why they ban those cantrips because they the games are, are too similar when your deck is essentially whatever twelve cards uh, smaller every game. So I don't know. I, I don't know. It's been it's yeah. faithless looting probably needs to be looked at at some point. It's the same thing with um, what's the green one that's in Tron? Ancient ancient stirrings. Yeah, ancient stirrings. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah, that that is absolutely obnoxious as a card. Um, yeah, as a cantrip. Let's be just comparing that to ponder. Like, <laughs> if you're looking at five cards. I mean, yeah, you got a deck builder restriction. Um, but it's yeah. I remember when I know I was the, the young magic player when I was you know learning Tron for the first time. Uh, Ancient Stirrings was the card that um, taught me that uh, lands are colorless. Uh, when I realized that you can get, you no, know, I was just go fishing myself in my room, um, not taking lands with Ancient Stirrings because I assume lands were the color that they make. Um, well, I guess it's drawn, well, yeah, they're colorless, but uh, yeah, the fact you can get land off it. When, when I when I realized that you can get lands, I was like, oh my god, Ancient Stirrings is so much better. Um, and then it also made me realize that all of this was not as good as I thought it was. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> just imagine you casting all that and like looking at your opponent like why, <laughs> just... why are you not exiting your lands yeah it's like you know take away all your all your islands swamps uh, uh well you can keep your you can keep your ancient tombs because uh, they're colorless <laughs> but yeah looking looking at five cards is is absurd um it's like, yeah we have you got a deck builder restriction but once you've done it um yeah it's just it's just bananas um i do yeah, during so i mean the deck building restriction, the deck building restriction is is strong enough, I think, on ancient stirrings to, to leave it outside a ban uh, at least for a long time. Or, well, I don't know. Actually, it's a bit different because they're always going to print more lands, powerful lands, and they're always going to print more powerful artifacts. Although they are starting to move towards colored artifacts now, so that's something. But they're still going to do colorless artifacts, and eventually they'll do colorless creatures as well again. So I don't know. Uh, Ancient Stirrings also does become a lot more powerful over time. I guess everything becomes more powerful over time, so uh, it doesn't really matter. But I, I yeah. think Ancient Stirrings yeah. probably is fine right now, but maybe Faithless Looting still is not. So we'll see what happens in the future. The, the fact that they didn't mention it here makes me feel like they don't even they don't even care about it, and it's just like it's safe. 
Yeah, I, I think it's it's uh, it feels like kind of what's his old old, old uh, strategy of oh, if we don't say there's a problem, then there's no problem. Yeah. Well, you know, speculate on your fatal suitings now because they're only going up. Well, they're common, so it doesn't matter. Juju. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was just, so you could say, sorry, I was supposed to make this pun back when you mentioned uh, surgical. You could say that bridge from below was extracted from the format in the manner of which a surgeon may extract something with precision from a a person surgically, if if you may. Yes, not what I was going for, but correct. That's fine. All right, so we move on to the developer update from Arena. Um, so this was just a quick update to let people know what's being changed, what's coming soon in Arena. Th- these changes have already gone into play, into place, as far as I know. Um, so the first thing was performance issues. So I don't know about you, but the game was performing terribly for me. Uh, maybe it was because I was doing Nexus. I was playing a lot of Nexus, but it was so bad. Anytime you got, I, I, fe- I feel like it was above eight lands in play. Uh, the game just started lagging incredibly. And there were also problems with the, the elemental cats from the mastery system. People could, so you can click your cat to change colors, uh, change the colors of the cat. And if you have the cat, your opponent can see you changing the colors as well. And it makes a little effect. And that effect of you clicking on the cat was lagging out opponents. So that was like exploitable. Uh, so I think they have fixed that, although I'm still, it still feels, overall, this game still feels laggier to me than it was before the the M20 update, but it's a lot better than it was before this fix. Yeah, so, so I, I noticed a bit of lagging in-game, but I guess uh, I, I noticed a lot of just, you know, issues with, uh, issues with locking on, um, or just being logged out. When one time I was in the middle of the game, it was a very, very long game, maybe the same issue, I had like a whole load of lands in play. Uh, I was, yeah, I was... This is, a, I guess, this is a, a cool gameplay story which I usually tell. Which I, I think I told you. So I just pretended I won, um, but I didn't win. Uh, I was, you know, very, very far, far behind the board. Whole lot of lands out. The opponent had a ulted Nissa and had a big, huge board of three, three elementals. Um, I just had a whole lot of mana and a whole lot of, whole lot of mana and a whole lot of cards in my hand. And I was like, I think I can just drill through twenty cards in my library now and then win with the Jace, uh, Jace with my single Jace ability. And I kind of went through that and like it was pretty cool. Just like. I didn't think I could make it. That I thought I thought it fizzled out. Then I saw another line, and it kept going. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I I got Jace. Then uh, I picked up Jace, um, and I was like, "Yes, I know myself. I feel like an absolute god." And I was like, "Wait till the boys hear about this." And then um, the screen went black, and then I was like, "Oh, bollocks!" And I fixed the net. And then it came back on again, and then uh, it just said the word "straw" on the screen. Oh. Um, so I was like, "When I tell a story, I'll just leave out this part because I'll count that. I'll count that as a win." Um, but did you... I'm already at the bottom of gold four, so it's it's not like I'm losing anything. <laughs> Did you check your rank afterwards? Yeah, my rank hadn't moved. <laughs> oh, okay. Because some, sometimes, actually... sometimes that happens to me. Uh, like uh, when I, if I'm playing a match and I'm just about to win and my opponent concedes, it disconnects me from the game. It's happened to me like a bunch of times, even before this uh, this current patch or whatever. And... Yeah, but usually when I when I log back in, it's recorded correctly. Like it happened to me just before we recorded this podcast, so that sometimes does happen. Yeah, that's yeah, that's how to be. I guess yeah, I've seen that before. I guess when that when that happens, it doesn't say draw, right? It does. It does you just get go off. No, I did get a, yeah. So. What you describe with the draw before though. I did get that, and I actually okay, yeah. sure. I'm not sure what happened with my rank because I didn't know. I didn't know what my rank was before, so I was yeah what the result was yeah but anyway it's good that 
this performance is being improved. It, it was genuinely very, very torturous for Nexus, uh, if you're playing Nexus, because the amount of clicking that you have to do of lands. One other thing related to this is that uh, with this most recent patch, not not the hotfix patch, but the one before that, the M20 update, they changed the they changed the interface for revealed cards. So if your opponent reveals a card, it now appears in a little box in the top left of the screen instead of filling the whole screen and you having to click done. And now it, it has a little box with a timer. And when the timer runs out, the revealed cards will go away or you can manu- manually click a dismiss button. And it does the same thing for you, but the little box is on the bottom left. The only problem with that is on the bottom left is where your lands are. So especially if you're playing Nexus, every time you cast it, you have to reveal it. So that little box comes up and... As Kanta, if you have a flipped as Kanta, it's also on the extreme left. So the box covers the as Kanta, which is very, very annoying. I know this is a quite a corner, God. corner case, but I feel like, uh, I guess it doesn't matter. Both the cards are rotating soon anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, well, it's going to be an issue in Historic. Uh, We've got to assume that's going to take off. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I absolutely hate this new this preview box because like the card... The re- real card appears in your hand anyway, and I'm I'm just used to you know keeping track of. I mean, sometimes if it's during opponent's turn, I'll be looking away, um, which uh, I should stop doing if I want to climb <laughs> to mythic, because uh, this isn't Hearthstone or, Ma- or Magic Online where you can see exactly what your opponent has done when you're looking away. But sometimes I do look away, um, and then uh, yeah, if I, if I miss like a you know a, an art, um, an art set, yeah, an, an art set activation, uh, you know, I, I can still see the card they they, they took in their hand, and if it's if it's a little some spell I never saw before, I can just hover over it and enlarge it. So I feel like that makes this preview box like completely um, redundant. Mm, one of the things that I like it for is like for cards like Cavalier of Thorns or Tamio that put a number of cards into your graveyard. So sometimes if you look at somebody's graveyard, it's kind of hard to know which order it's in, like which side is the top and which side is the bottom. So if you just look in the preview box, it shows you exactly the four cards that they've put into their graveyard. Okay. Like, yeah, yeah, that, that, that. it's certainly better than it was before where it took up the whole screen. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that, that was that was some. So, you know, credit where credit is due. And <laughs> they have improved their terrible interface. It still has some shortcomings. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they have also improved their terrible mastery system so that it's no longer terrible. Um, Great. A lot of people were up in arms about the mastery system due to the fact that if you were a free-to-play player, uh, you literally could not complete the whole track in in time for the next set to come out. Uh, in fact, you could only get up to, I think, level 90. You could only get up to level 90 out of 100. That was if you were playing the maximum amount that they would expect people to play, which is very, very silly. Which is, yeah. And this, this, is, no, I, I'm... this is with or without buying the Mastery Pass. So... The Mastery Pass is, is kind of complicated in that everybody gets access to the Mastery System per set, but the people who buy the Mastery Pass get more rewards. So if you've bought the Mastery Pass, you'll, get, you'll be getting a reward every level, whether that's gold or card styles or packs or Mastery Orbs. But if you don't buy the Mastery Pass, then all you get is packs every few levels. So most levels, you don't actually get anything. And basically, the Mastery System works out as exactly the same as the weekly win system before uh but it wasn't with the previous experience so and they all they also had it on a daily cap which was obviously massively disadvantaging people who couldn't play every day or even just any normal person who can't play 
on one or two days a week because they're doing something else, you've lost the experience that you could have gotten on that day. So which was very, very silly. So they've they've reverted it back to a weekly cap. So the the weekly wins give you experience points. Your quests still give you experience points, but slightly less now to uh, to compensate for the weekly wins. And the the uh, daily wins give you no experience points, but they give you gold and ICRs, individual card rewards. And then some of the events will give you a thousand XP from each event, and there'll be it's expected to be five events, so you get five thousand total XP. Plus, they've already given out four thousand bonus XP from. Um, just codes and that's probably expected to continue they might give out one or two more codes before the end of the season so now if you're playing fairly regularly each week like three or three times a week then and you're completing all your quests and you're doing your 15 weekly wins in each week you should comfortably uh get you know finish the mastery tree before the next set yeah this is it's a great improvement like i said something i think you mentioned a few times on the podcast before about uh how uh this idea of like you lose value if you don't play um, is a reason why you're not playing Hearthstone anymore. Uh, also, you missed a, you missed like one uh, card back, was it? Yeah, uh, car, yeah, a card back. Yeah, so it's yeah because if if you just don't play, if you don't yeah reach certain rank within a month, and it's uh, yeah, so it's it, it and that that is an awful feeling. And then I think it's when you feel like I'm I'm, I'm losing any value if I don't log into uh, this game today. Uh, that's a that's a very bad position to be. Is it's a very um, unhealthy relationship to have uh, with, with a video game. Especially if you have you know real life stuff going on, um, so I guess yeah, by previously yeah, the previous system really punished people for not doing that every day. Uh, this just seems like a much better, much better, um, um, you know, much much better version. Even though I mean, there's there's plenty of gaps in my understanding of what the mastery system is, um, because you're, you're on the first day you introduce it, you're just bombarded with information, uh, and there's a lot going on. So I'm I'm still just figuring it figuring it out. Yeah, it is definitely a bit confusing. What is there that you're not sure about? Because I'm pretty sure that I understand it pretty well. Um, and then there might be some listeners who are in the same boat as you. Yeah, uh, I guess it's, it's kind of just known when to expect to get uh, XP. Like it has a, so, so there, there used to be, the, the, what was it, the 15 wins a day gets you like little, little, small, little, little small prizes, like a little bit of gold uh, or whatever, or a card. Um, so my, my right in saying that that's been replaced by increments in xp so your daily wins are three you you have three daily wins and they have not yeah. been replaced with xp those are the ones okay. that give you gold they would give you like a small amount of gold i think it was the first your first win in a day will give you 250 gold and then 100 and then 50 i think something like that yeah and then you would also get uh you would also get individual card rewards from those as well and that's not changed Okay, so uh, so the the thing yeah. that gives you XP is your weekly wins. So there was a, a track of fifteen wins in addition to your daily wins, and that was counted per week. And if you went past fifteen, you stopped getting anything. And yeah, th- those used to reward uh, packs, and now they reward XP, which translates to packs because you're ranking up the mastery pass. Okay, okay, that's, that makes sense now. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll, I, I, I kind of want to log back in just to see how this would. Yeah, it was. It was. And then, um, what you're, you're, can I take? Am I right in saying that? So we have, we have a cat now. I got, I got a cat. Um, I'm very disappointed in uh, it not doing much. But uh, are we going to be getting more pets in the future? We had a like, cat them all. I assume uh, so. I assume that they'll be, they'll be doing some kind of a pet or something to go in that little area of the, of the battlefield. Uh, 
with every set. So we'll be getting like four of these a year, I suppose, if you buy each match. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. One thing that we, I think we mentioned previously with the Mastery Pass, but I haven't, I don't think I've mentioned it today, is that if you, you, you can just wait and see what level you get to and then just buy the Mastery Pass at the end of the season and you get all the rewards retroactively that you would have gotten from buying the Mastery Pass initially and ranking up through each level. So it's, it's uh, very friendly to wait and see. If you don't want to buy it right now, just wait until you get to the end and then you can put in the 3,400 gems or whatever it is and, uh, and you'll get all the rewards, which is worth more than 3,400 gems. Uh, you can also buy levels, okay. which I don't recommend because then you're, you're throwing more gems away into the system. So you're, you're reducing the value for yourself, basically. And they're, yeah. they're actually going to remove the level buying with the next, with the next set mastery because they agreed that it was very silly. Yeah, that's fair. But yeah, I think, uh, um, yeah, it, it's good. You, yeah. It's, it's good. You have the option to buy levels at the end. Um, but I guess you, you are missing out on uh, that sweet, sweet dopamine EV of uh, getting hollowed rewards with every level you get if you buy it from the start of the season. So weigh that up in your options when you're deciding what to do. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're a patient person, you can probably just wait it out. If you are if you need that, that hit of XP and packs, then you probably want to splurge at the start of the season, yeah. like me. Yeah, yeah I, I saw a video stream yesterday. Well, I don't know how anyone does the... Uh, the um, you know, not open your vault uh, just so you can see the progress. It makes sense, yeah, to not open it so you can see your progress. Uh, but like, ah, it's it's just sitting there glowing. Why don't you press it? Well, I, I would open it if I needed the wild cards, but I don't. So, uh, I don't okay, there. <laughs> maybe that's it. Um, yeah, the the pets. I don't know where they go from from elemental cat. I guess they could just tie it to whatever whatever set that comes out. Like you know, if, if you know, if it was Ixalan, they could do a little dinosaur whatever i'm sure they can very easily come up with a pet for each time but as it is i think the cat's really annoying and it do- actually doesn't even look great in, in my opinion the like the graphics of the cat like the, the the design i guess the quality of the model is not fantastic so i just turned it off and i generally have i generally have emotes squelched uh, by default so if you squelch your emotes, you won't see your opponent interacting with their cat. You, you'll see the cat on the board, but you won't see any of the like color changes or whatever. So I, okay, I think it's the cat's impact on my life. Yeah. yeah so sometimes during a game, the cat will turn to me and uh, meow. Um, and then I start doing, I know that the, the very human thing of doing, of like trying to kind of trying to make connections. So at first I was like, oh, I think my cat meows at me whenever I'm behind and my opponent makes a strong play. But then sometimes I make <clears throat> I make a strong game. Then I'm like, ah, oh, the cats cheer me on. But uh, now I realize that probably it's just random, and these are all associations I've made up. Well, the, the cat, experience any of that? Yeah, the, the cat does like cheer for you when you win. At the moment that you win the game, it like claps or something. Okay. Yeah. So it, it does do. <laughs> it, it might also like when you hit your opponent for more than a certain amount of damage. Maybe I'm not sure about that, but like maybe it also like does something at that point or. And I think maybe it, when you die, it flinches or something like that. I'm not sure. Okay. I'll, I'll look more into it. Yeah. We have to study this cat now for science. What, what do you think? Uh, obviously, we don't know what the latest set is going to be. And actually, let me have a look here. By the time, by next week's episode, I think we still won't know <laughs> what the newest set is. I think it's the... <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is, this is the latest that we've ever waited to find out what a fall set is. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
like it's the middle of July and the thing comes out in September. So it's like about two months away and we have no no details about any of it. Well, which is very yeah, because usually like announcement day, announcement day used to be, that's that's kind of gone. Yeah, they got rid of announcement day. I don't know why they did that. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a nice thing to look forward to. I mean, um, it just seems like the last two years they've said, oh, this is what we're doing now. And then they stopped doing it. Yeah. But anyway. So we had to. But uh, yeah, so. What, what, whatever the uh, the fall set is, we will get some kind of pet themed around that, I'm sure. And we can all decide whether we want to use the cat or we want to use the new pet. Everyone's going to use the new pet because everyone likes the newest thing. I don't know. Well, some people like to be OG. Do you still use uh, the original card back? Uh, I mean, sometimes I just, I only change it if I remember to change it. And the only, oh. I, I feel like I, I like to change it to the, to the, the card back that you got from participating in the mythic championship qualifier weekend. But then at the same time, I feel like that lets my opponent know what kind of caliber of player they're playing against. I'm not trying to say I'm a great player or whatever, uh, <laughs> but my opponent knows that I'm not a new player. I guess if I'm in mythic anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I guess it's um, yeah, it's a, you're you're giving them whether or not it's helpful. It's still free information. I also feel like it's it's kind of braggy as well. I don't know. Well, I've I've brought my uh, game day playmat to uh, um, RPTQs, and you know, I looked around the room and being like, oh, nobody here has ever won a game day. I must be the best player here. But uh, <laughs> maybe no one else just brings that playmat. Um, <laughs> you I don't think it's braggy. It's a uh, it's it's an award you got for doing a thing. Yeah, I suppose. I, I used to feel the same way about the, the avatars, you know, the way you can change your avatar. And I thought that, you know, there, there was a weird thing that went on for a while after the game was, was kind of widely released where people would, like, it seemed like people were either using the Teferi avatar or Karn. That was like most of the avatars you played against and maybe Vivian as well. Teferi, Karn and Vivian because the big decks at the time were... Um, like blue white or blue white or Esper control, I'm not sure. And uh, yeah, I think it was Esper and Sultai with like Hydroid Crisis and stuff like that. And yeah. a lot of people had the Karn avatar, I think, as a way to like show that the like to not give anything away about what they were playing. Or other people had the Teferi avatar and they'd be playing mono red. They're like trying to trick you, kind of, <laughs> so that you keep a yeah. hand against them. It was so weird, and basically, you you had to train yourself to not pay any attention to somebody's avatar. Yeah, it's, it's so easy to me for me to see Teferi and uh, assume it's Esper. Like it's, it's something that I am. Uh, yeah, it, it's just a bias like I have in my head. It's yeah, like I say, it's very hard to shake. Um, I, I do actually tell myself during Mulligans that uh, I don't know what this matchup is. Oh, they have Teferi. I still don't. I still don't know what the matchup is. You know. Yeah, I mean the the, the the biggest one, I feel like it doesn't happen as much anymore, I think, because everybody just trained themselves not to pay attention to it. But you do still see it sometimes. I feel like when when you see people with, like, for example, the the bolus avatar and the bolus card sleeves and all that stuff. So it, it's it, when it's a combination. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, this person is clearly loves Grixis and is playing Grixis. And then they just play like turn one planes, Dauntless Bodyguard or whatever. And in that situation, I'm kind of like, do they just love those things or are they trying to trick me? Because if they're trying to trick me, that's just really annoying and stupid. Yeah, and if you kind of, we kind of mentioned before, the only reason to play Grixis is if you're a bolus fanboy because Grixis isn't, isn't very good. But I've seen, um, like, I've played against people who have... I've, I've, that's When they first, uh, at the start of Word of Spark, I remember playing against someone who had, like, yeah, the bolus avatar, the bolus sleeves, and was playing 
like this is this. And uh, I was just like thinking, yeah, this clearly wasn't a, a metagame decision. Just they were they were a big fan of the big dragon. Yeah, and and did the person also have all the card styles for all their Grixis cards? Yeah. 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 I think it's I think I think there is a pack you buy or a bundle you buy of that. But, uh, yes, there is. Yeah. It was like oh, it's like, oh come on. I was thinking like it's it's like it's like going to a gig and wear the band t shirt and the band jeans and the band socks and you know and the band cap. It's like you know you like the band, you're here, all right. <laughs> yeah, very true. Uh, well, I, f- I feel like this this has been lessened somewhat with the fact that they added so many more avatars, and also there's just the the random avatar option, so a lot of people choose that. But I've just been on the Angrath avatar ever since they released that one, and I don't think there's really any competitive like red black only deck, so nobody can divine anything from my avatar, I guess. Yeah, that's fair. I choose Sarkhan because he's a character I connected with the most in the Magic story. Sarkhan is pretty great. I also uh, do connect with Sarkhan, but. You know, you gotta have some some love for Angrath. You know, he's just trying to yeah. get home to his daughters, and he was stuck on Ixalan for years, and then he got pulled into Ravnica. You gotta feel for the guy. Yeah. Ah, oh, yeah. Anyway, that's our uh, deep dive into psychoanalytics of avatars and cardbacks. Yes. And now we can move on to actually. Here, here's another thing that I didn't say at the start, but that I do want to talk about, and it's just kind of come back to me is this whole scuttlebutt rumor about uh, the Mythic Championship qualifiers being removed from a Magic Fest, an upcoming Magic Fest in, I think, Atlanta. Did you hear about this? Oh, yeah. I, I just saw the headline last night. It was very late. Um, I didn't get to look at it properly, but yeah, what, what was it? So basically, there had been some Mythic Championship qualifiers. So at, at every Magic Fest, Grand Prix, whatever, there are a number of Mythic Championship qualifiers that people can play in, and usually they're like sold out or whatever. But the ones that had been scheduled for Grand Prix Atlanta, or Magic Fest Atlanta, sorry, I think it was Atlanta. I'll have to just double check here in a moment. But yeah, they had been scheduled, so they had been on the actual schedule for the event, and I believe you could actually pay money for them already. So some people did like book their spots already. They've been cancelled and removed from removed from the uh, from the schedule. And there was a statement from Channel Fireball that because you know they're they're the ones who who organise the Magic Fests. There was a statement that said that they just don't know what Wizards' plans are, and they haven't confirmed that there will be Mythic Championship qualifiers for that season. So they thought it was just safer to not have them scheduled and not be taking people's money just in case something does change. But as far as they're concerned, nothing will be changing because they haven't had any messaging to that effect. It's just that they, they want to be super, super My safe. My God, yeah. So, I don't know. I just think that's really, really weird. Like, I don't want to get very, like, conspiracy theory about it that it's definitely going to change or whatever. But I do think it's kind of weird. Like, I feel like maybe this must have been from from the Channel Fireball end where they... Well, there, there's there's two scenarios for Channel Fireball. Either they looked at their event schedule, had everything sorted, and then they realized, well, hold on, actually, Wizards hasn't announced anything yet. Maybe we shouldn't put we shouldn't schedule these until we absolutely know, and so let's cancel them. And that's just Channel Fireball being like safe and smart. That's one scenario, and I think it's probably the more likely scenario, and that there will be no change to Mythic Championship qualifiers. But the other scenario is that what if Wizards have told them or not told them either way and there is some change coming and that there won't be mythic championship qualifiers for that season dear god um yeah i, I think the first scenario is most, is most likely um i think 
but yeah, because the, the second one is, is definitely a, a big, a, a big deal if true. Uh, I, I think kind of just from what I saw it and from listening to you, it seems that uh, what Channel Fireball are doing is consistent with just being left and, uh, and just not knowing you know, what to do. Uh, which, but yeah, I, I think does make does make sense. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's just God, it's just very very frustrating. And kind of, you can kind of if it is first if if it is the first case, then yeah, you do feel for Channel Fireball who are who are doing doing all this work and just they just. They just want to do it, but they don't have the information, and uh, the information has been withheld for whatever reason. Um, yeah, God, it's it's. I think if there wasn't already such a big shakeup to organise play, that don't that has just happened within within the year. And I'd be saying, oh, maybe they are going to change a lot of things. Maybe a lot of changes will be coming. But yeah, I think that's a lot less likely if uh, you know since we've already seen um, yeah, big changes quite recently. So it is it is worrying. It it is kind of crazy that we don't know anything about organised play. To be honest, in twenty twenty, like when I say organised play, I mean we don't know about the MPL. We don't know how players are going to qualify for the MPL. We don't know if the MCQ system and the current methods of qualifying for uh, Mythic Championships are going to continue. We don't know, because Wizards have kind of done, have taken this kind of ad hoc approach where they're kind of changing things on the fly and like adding invites and diversifying their player base, what, what have you. Because of that, that's created an uncertainty where we don't know how people are going to qualify and that you know that obviously uh, reduces people's confidence um yeah just looking here there's this dot esports article <laughs> i don't i don't necessarily agree with this dot esports article this it's very very clickbaity and catastrophizing i think in all likelihood this is not a serious thing but uh yeah it, it does confirm that it's atlanta magic fest that's supposed to run september 20th to 22nd and it's supposed to be the last MCQ event for an MC in 2019, but apparently the their website for for Atlanta also well, hold on let me let me have a look here. Apparently it mentions that you'll be able to qualify through an unknown method for MC Mythic Championship One in 2020. Oh wow, which is unusual. Maybe some kind of no arena thing. Oh, I don't know. That's very strange. Yeah, it does. It says. Magic Fest Ghent and Magic Fest Atlanta are both going to feed Mythic Championship 1 of 2020 rather than the final Mythic Championship of 2019, which they were supposed to feed before, I think. I could be wrong about that. So clarifications from, from listeners would be appreciated if they know more about it than I do or if I'm making some kind of horrible mistake here. Uh, but I, I'll include yeah. this article in the show notes. Again, I don't want to say that the sky is falling. There could be a change on the horizon it could even be just like a minor change that just affects the scheduling a little bit like it doesn't have to be a huge structural tra- structural change either so we'll, we'll see we'll see what happens doesn't exactly inspire confidence though yeah yeah definitely not it's uh yeah well, it's, it's got a way to see it's yeah it's kind of funny the uncertainty with it of this uh i guess unprecedented level of uncertainty with this maybe it's tied in with uh our unprecedented level of certainty as to what the next set is uh you know, it's possible that these are, I don't know, things are planning on announcing together, or yeah, uh, I don't know, entirely possible, yeah, or they they could follow on very closely from from that announcement or something like that, yeah. So with... yeah, yeah. Okay, so moving on to my tournament report from Alias V's Super Spiffy tournament that I participated in uh, just last night. Oh yes. Uh, it did not go super spiffily for me, uh, so I went o three in the first three rounds. It was a night tournament. There was, uh, I think on the level of about 250 players there. It was run through the smash.gg website, which worked fine for me, uh, seemed absolutely fine. 
but other people and I think the admins did not have a great time. There was some some errors in terms of like you had to check in for your match and then some people just went in, saw their opponent, challenged their opponent and then never actually physically checked in for their match. So they ended up like after 10 minutes, if you don't check in, you get an automatic disqualification. So that had a, that left a lot of problems in round one. It made round one drag on a really long time. There was like at least I want to say 30 to 40 minutes between round one and round two while they sorted out all the people who had actually played but had been put down as disqualifications. They had to sort those out manually by talking to the players and stuff like that. But uh, after, after that hiccup in round one, I think it went okay because everyone was aware then that you had to check in for your round. Uh, the tournament itself did not go great for me. I chose to play Nexus as that is the deck that I've been playing the previous few days. And it was the deck that I eventually got to Mythic with. Saying that, I pretty much only played it in like Diamond 2 and 1. So I, I played it, oh, I want to say I played like about 7 or 8 matches with it. And I think I lost maybe 1 or 2 of those. And I, I just had a good run into Mythic. So I was kind of high on it. And I played the list that VTCLA had from a recent 5 on Magic Online. And I think the list was good. I think the choice was absolutely fine for the tournament. However, I wish that I had played the Simic Ramp deck that I've been playing a lot as well. So like most of my most of my run to Mythic uh, up, up until about Diamond 2 was with the Simic Ramp deck with Voracious Hydra and stuff like that that I'd been, I'd been mentioning last week. So I wish that I'd played that instead because I think that actually would have been better for the matchups that I faced. Um, so yeah, I took three losses and then I just played a couple more just for fun and then dropped from the tournament. Um, my first round was against uh, an Elementals deck, which honestly I felt was kind of a bad deck. It was an Elementals deck with the small and the medium Chandra, like the uncommon and the rare. I just think that the uncommon one is so bad. Yeah, yeah I was very surprised you're playing that. That's strange. Yeah, it was kind of like an aggro style Elementals deck, which I really hate that version of the deck. I, I don't like any of the Elementals decks, to be honest, but I really hate the aggro version. It was playing like... Yeah. Creeper yeah. Trailblazer and stuff like that. Uh, round two, I lost to Mono Red, doing Mono Red things. I don't think there was anything particularly interesting from that tournament, uh, or from that game, sorry. All, all, all my rounds, I did lose 2-1. So, you know, they were they were close enough. Uh, I think the third game of the Mono Red match was was just not close. Um, so that's, that's fine, that's whatever. And then at that point, like I, I knew that I was out of contention for top eight, so I was considering dropping, but I don't know if there was a mechanism for dropping at that point. So I was like, ah, I'll just play it out. I'll play it the next one. And then I played against uh, an Esper Hero deck, and this person was using Thief of Sanity, which I haven't seen for a long time. Oh, yeah. But obviously, Thief of Sanity is a great main deck card to have against Nexus. Um, well, if you can hit, it's one of your only ways to win, I think, because... Esper has a very poor matchup against Nexus, I think, in game one. Uh, even with Teferi, I feel like you need to have the perfect storm of stuff going on to actually win, even if even with your Teferi. You need to have, like, you need to be playing the hero version, you need to have a lot of disruption uh, with your Thought Erasure, and you need to have the pressure from the hero tokens and the Teferi. You need to have all those things, I feel like, in order to win game one against Nexus. And this person... Didn't quite have all those things, but they did have Thief of Sanity, which I'm assuming stole some of my key cards. I don't know. I just didn't get there. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and then, yeah. I, yeah, I went 1-2 one, one, against against that as well. So that was pretty much the end of my tournament. As I said, I played a few more games then, but they were just for fun. Uh, I did win them, though. <laughs> um, and yeah, yeah, it was a it was a good, it was a positive experience. It was a fun tournament to play. All my opponents were relatively, um, what's the word, relatively courteous in, in the chat that we had in the tournament room. And as you guys mentioned last time, the, the, the ability to have that tournament chat is actually really great. Uh, it's nice to be able to just say, you know, good luck, have fun, and GG's. Even something as simple as that is just nice to be able to say to your opponent. Because I feel like the the, autom- the in-game emotes sometimes feel sarcastic when you use them. And I don't, want, don't ever want my opponent to feel that way when I use them. So it's much better when you have an actual chat. The only problem that I had was all my opponents that I Nexus comboed against, they all waited for me to do the whole combo. I, I don't know why. Because, like... <laughs> On the ladder, I would say when you're when you're actually playing on the ladder, I would say like I'd say about twenty percent of people concede too early when you definitely you you don't have a sure combo. You could fizzle. So about twenty percent of people concede too early. I would say seventy percent of people, no, maybe sixty percent of people concede just at the right time. When it's like, okay, clearly you can never miss on Nexus again and you are going to do your whole combo. And the only reason that people wait on that one, and I think rightly so, is they want to see your win condition. But the second that you play your win condition, they concede. They don't actually wait yeah. for you to callous dismissal 20 times, or not 20 times, well, you know what I mean. They don't wait for you to cast callous dismissal loads of times just so you can actually beat them. Uh, they just concede once they see the win condition. And then something like 20% of people just don't concede at all. And maybe I just hit that 20% in this tournament, but my opponents just did not concede. Even when I had the Callus dismissal, it was very, very obvious. And it wasn't like they had gone AFK either because they had like a creature out that they blocked on like the last turn. They blocked my huge Callus dismissal token or my army token. So I don't know what was going on there. Is it just because it was a tournament? People wanted to use up my clock or make sure that I had a win condition or something? Well, obviously they had seen my win condition at some point and they still didn't concede. So I'm not sure what that's about. I guess... Maybe it's because yeah, this was Swiss eight Nexus. Yeah. Uh, I think this this is a Swiss tournament, right? So you're going to be wait like maybe your opponents are like, well, I'm going to be waiting around for the next round anyway, so you might as well extend this. Is that you know on the ladder? You're you're on the ladder. You're you're um uh well, what's the word? You're you're incentivizing the ladder to you know, end games quickly when you're behind. Um, that's true. To, to get the next game started. So maybe it is because they're like, well, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait until five o'clock for the next round. I might as well just play this out. Maybe that makes a mistake. Yeah, yeah, you might be right. You might be right. So now I feel like I have a new deck that I like. So I, I still like the Simic Manipulation deck, but you mentioned the Feather decks earlier, and the Feather decks are so, so tough as the, uh, as the Simic Mass Manipulation Ramp-style deck. They are very, very tough. Once yeah. your has Feather and God's Willing, that's just it. You are locked out of the game. Although I did have a very entertaining game against Feather earlier, in the metagame challenge when I played a voracious Hydra for X equals 10. So I made it a 20-21 and I was able to win that way. Uh, but most of the time, <laughs> you're, you're not able to do that. So yeah, I, I think that the feather decks are very, very strong. I see a lot of people kind of messing about with the the Naya feather decks and I, I don't think that's that great. I, I prefer the, uh, the straight Boros decks. The mana is just way, way better. And I think the season of growth is that what it's called the the two mana enchantment that they play green for i think that's that's kind of win more oh yeah 
definitely, yeah. I, I think that's been more for them. They also play uh, Domri's Ambush, which uh, is very good with, with Feather. Um, Domri's Ambush. I guess well, not, not, Feather, yeah. Is what? Domri's Ambush is pretty good with Feather now, now that you say it. Yeah, because I think I was playing, um, you know, when I came across Knife Fighter list first, I was playing the Team Random Metal deck. And like, it's all these Team decks, it, you just can't interact with uh, Feather at all. Uh, and it's just a, the, the matchup is just absurdly one sided. Um, and it's like, yeah, they, they can just eventually you're like, all right, I have a board now. Maybe I can win this. Um, you know, I got, I got a, I got a Cavalier of Thorns. I'm fine. And then they just, they just, uh, Dominic's ambush just every turn. Off better, making it bigger. It's a uh, pretty, pretty insane. Uh, but I suppose, yeah, I think you're right. The, uh, the, it does, it does, it is a big cost on your mana to play, to play green. Yeah. If you put a counter from Dominic's ambush on Dreadward Darkness as well, that's pretty good. Yes. Yeah. Because then you can start. Let's get that back every turn. Two mana, two mana spell. Oh, it's disgusting. Yep. Um, so, so, are you playing this? Uh, uh, as a red white deck now? No, I should, but I'm not. <laughs> I actually, I don't quite have all the cards for it. I know a lot of them are playing like Takatli Honor Guard in the main deck, and I just don't have any of those. So, and I, I think yeah, I'm, I'm... I don't quite have enough wild cards, and I'm not that interested in in crafting that because it's rotating. So, yeah, I, I'm not sure if I can find a replacement for that. Maybe, maybe I'll I'll play Feather. But no, I'm playing a different deck. I'm playing a red deck. Oh, what's this? It's a Cavalcade of Calamity deck, which I believe was posted on Or Spikes, but I saw it through uh, Bloody's stream. So Bloody is a, a popular streamer. And she was playing it, and it seemed amazing. So I threw it together, and I had two very, very quick victories in Mythic, which brought me into the top 500 in Mythic. And yeah, it seems great. So it's it's based around Cavalcade of Calamity, which is the... Two mana red enchantment that says whenever a creature you control with power one or less attacks, Cavalcade of Calamity deals one damage to the player or planeswalker that it's attacking. And the big combo with this is Chandra's Spitfire. So Chandra's Spitfire has just been released in M20. I think I believe it's a reprint. It's a two and a red for a one-three flying. It's an elemental, but not important in this deck. And it says whenever an opponent is dealt non-combat damage, Chandra's Spitfire gets plus three plus oh until the end of turn. So if you're paying attention, just the Cavalcade of Calamity. And the Chandra Spitfire means that the Chandra Spitfire attacks for five damage turn because it attacks, pings the opponent once from the Cavalcade, which triggers the Spitfire. So it goes up to four power. So it's doing five damage. And then the deck is full of other one power things, such as uh, Chandra Acolyte of Flame makes the two two one one elementals. You've got Fanatical Firebrand. You've got Scorch Spitter, which I think is great because it actually gets two triggers when it attacks. So Scorched Spitter is the 1-1 elemental lizard that whenever it attacks, it deals 1 damage to the player or planeswalker it's attacking. So that triggers by itself and also triggers off Cavalcade of Calamity. You've got a Tin Street Dodger, which is a 1-1 with haste. You've got Legion War Boss, which obviously makes 1-1s one, one, with haste. And you've got Scampering Scorcher, which is the 4-mana elemental that makes 3 one ones with haste. And then you've got your Shocks and Lightning Strikes and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, a lot of people just don't respect the Spitfire. You can get... I have... <laughs> yeah. Literally played two games with the deck, and both games, uh, both matches, I ended at least one game by attacking for ten with the Spitfire and like three other things in play or whatever. Oh wow! Yeah, I, I, you mentioned that um, that Chandra's um, Chandra's Spitfire being elemental isn't relevant, but I, I've just while well, you listen to those, I found like many different ways that it is relevant that it's elemental. Uh, so you can give a haste with your with your four drop. Wait, say that again. Um, well, you said the Spitfire being an elemental isn't relevant. Oh yeah, so you do have synergy with um. You can you can give a haste with the with the uh the four drop that makes one ones. Well, 
You can, but you'd have to play them both in the same turn because it's an enter the battlefield effect for the score. Yeah, well, it's, it's a static. Yeah, and well, it might be. Well, yeah, I guess it's something that still could be relevant. And I guess it's maybe what's even more important is that uh, it means that you don't get board, board wiped by an opposing Chandra Six. That's true, actually. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. And that's yeah, that, yeah, which... something that's easy to miss on the Spitfire as well. Like, you might not even think that it's an elemental. So, it's certainly like an opponent could do that minus three and then not uh, not realize that they're not going to kill the Spitfire. Yeah. But yeah, God, it seems, seems, seems very powerful. And definitely kind of deck that, uh, I think, a deck you want for climbing the ladder. It's like, because I think Monterey and White Meanie aren't great right now. Uh, so it's good to have a an aggressive deck that's kind of attacking on a different axis that is also very very powerful. And then, like you're saying, not people not being ready for this is also uh, yeah, quite a big thing going for it. Uh, so, are, are, do you, have you found that your rate has been very high with this, or are the games easy? Games seem pretty easy. Uh, people like you can do damage through blockers. You know what I mean? Like even <laughs> yeah, that is dumb. You can jump attack. You know, like if you get your early start, which you know you very well may, then at some point, even if the opponent has created an overwhelming board presence, as long as they can't attack you back for lethal, you can just still keep jump attacking uh, and still doing like you know three or four damage every turn. And yeah, people just don't read the Spitfires. People people just don't know that it, it attacks for a million. Yeah, that, is, that, is, that seems pretty great. All right. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I might, might try to say it. So what deck have you been playing? Oh, now I am doing something I've never done before. I am playing a white deck. Uh, I think this is actually... When I started playing Magic, I just had a thing in my head that I just wasn't going to play White decks. Um, I think it's because when I started, um, Gideon, Gideon Alexander Gar was just in every in every deck. It was that was an expensive card at the time. And I think after that was gone, then there was a, I know between Teferi and the History Penalia. I was like, ah, I'm not going to buy those specific cards. I just won't play White. Um, so I guess it's just a big gap, I guess, in, in my in my Magic repertoire that uh, I've just been missing. Uh, and I guess I, I yeah, but I, I kind of just this what started off as Butch Dairies and now it's just been even. I actually just decided while um, when you mentioned feather deck there, I just looked up uh, what you know how many more wild cards I'd need to play feather. Uh, I, I I just have none of the uh, of the rare uh, <laughs> white red lands, uh, which I guess yeah, I guess makes sense because I wasn't playing any white decks. But um, now that I want to, I'm like ah, that is that is quite annoying. But um, I am now playing a white deck. Uh, this was as I said, I had trouble on the ladder. Um, yeah, I was just, I was just playing kind of just. I guess kind of long intricate games with decks that may not that may not have even had a good matchup. I was I was doing some brewing as well. I was just trying to find the best uh, elemental build. Um, and then uh, yeah, so then, so then kind of just just when I'd given up all hope, I was contacted by a local player Kevin Fogarty, who who he told me um, he said he it was as if he read my mind. I was like kind of thinking I just want you know I was just still at home. I was lamenting. I was thinking I just want a deck, an aggressive deck that's not that's not mono red and not white. We need that uh, that. Can climb the ladder quickly, and then uh, he got it to me and said, "Um, I have exactly a deck that's uh, aggressive and will help you climb the ladder quickly, and I think it may be broken." And uh, he sent me this list, which uh, is the list that um, gave Nasif, yeah, Yoda hat. Uh, he registered for the Phantom Legends uh, uh, on the eleventh of July. So when I saw this list first, I just kind of scoffed at it, thinking that you know, <laughs> you're playing a lot of bad cards. This clearly isn't very good. Um, then I read the text of uh, Safara, uh, Sa- yeah, Safara Skies Skiesblade. Um, and this is a card I think I just completely missed during the previous season. Uh, I think I saw it was an 8-mana 7-7 seven, seven flyer, and uh, I just, just assumed it was just for casual play without reading the text box. Um, are you aware of this card, David? I was. I, I didn't think it would be played in uh, in Standard. I thought it was just like a Commander card or something, or, or a casual card. I think it's 7-mana, right? Yeah. But not 8-mana. 
Sorry, seven mana. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Four, yeah, it's a uh, four white, white white. Yeah, sorry, seven mana, seven seven. It's one. Um, it's one mana. Yeah, it's it's yeah. You can you can uh, alter on casting cost is uh, pay one white and uh, tap four creatures of flying. Uh, this is flying lifelink and uh, other creatures with flying have indestructible. Um, yeah, so this <laughs> this card has been pretty good. So yeah, I, I drew this deck together um, because I was so in, inexperienced with playing white weenie style decks because this this is essentially a white weenie style deck. Uh, yeah, blue white flyers. You got small, basically. You got to call it a whole lot of one one flyers and some uh, some anthem and some lord and some pump effects. Uh, yeah, but and it has yeah favorable wins. It's a favorable win deck. Um, but yeah, when I put this together, I I, I was just doing so bored with it because I was uh, I just wasn't used to um, yeah just playing kind of white weenie style decks. It's just a, a style of deck that I feel like I've played like every other style of deck except for something like this. Um, I think so. I'm, as as I was getting better better at it, I realized that there's no way I'd be you know, a lot worse playing this in paper because you can have like multiple anthem effects stacking on each other. Like if you have two favorable wins and two uh, Empyrean eagles, it's like you have favorable wins pump everything. But the eagles pump everything except for themselves. So keeping track of which has you know three plus which creatures have three plus one plus ones plus ones, which ones have four plus ones plus ones, is will be very difficult to do. Well, they're very difficult for me to do in paper, but uh, it is obviously a lot easier on arena when you know, it's it's all there. Uh, you, you know which ones are. Are four fours, which ones are going to be four fives? Um, but yeah, so then yeah, once once I got a hang of this deck, I I just rallied. Uh, I just went twelve zero. Um, you know, in in, in best of three, I just went from gold four up to up to platinum, and then uh, I I I you know, just in in one sitting, and I, I was like, we're we're back, baby. Britney's back. <laughs> Britney's got a brand new bag of one one flyers. Oh my god! And uh, yeah, so yeah, I, I made a few changes to the deck now, so I'm I'm still progressing through platinum uh, with a positive win win win, uh, win rate. I am losing a little bit more. I feel like it's, uh, I guess it's only a matter of time before the, uh, I guess, yeah, people have already adapted to the decks with the style. Um, it gets absolutely wrecked by the uh, the uh, the board wipe, the new board wipe, the two damage to each creature, two damage to each creature, except creatures you control flying, I think it is. Oh. Uh, the Cossacks return, um, which, uh, yeah, instant speed is, is pretty sick. But uh, yeah, I, this deck is very, very good. And I believe you disagree with this. Well, I just hate it. I just hate that type of deck. You're just playing so many really bad. You're playing like, like that is very that is also true of the complicated calamity deck as well. So really, I'm one to talk. Yeah, because I guess yeah, if you, this yeah, because the deck is so unassuming. You're playing like you're playing for fairy miscreant, which uh, you know, sometimes you get no played the dream of uh, turn one fairy miscreant, and then play two more on turn two. Uh, yeah, which I guess it's like it's that is that sounds very very good. Oh, you got it. Um, they get plus two plus two is an instant. Uh, so you can just win games out of nowhere with that. Stop. You uh you cut out there. Oh. So, uh... Oh bollocks. It said the last thing he said was that sounds very very good uh, about the fairy miscreants. Okay, yeah. I, I'll say that's very it sounds very very good. Okay. I mean, yeah, I guess that does sound very very good. Uh, but at the end of the day, you are just playing uh, three one ones uh, with flying, even if they are free. That's 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 something. But um, yeah, because I, I guess like you can just construct so many lines with this deck. Uh, you have rally wings. Rally wings is um on top of all creatures control. Uh, creatures control with flying plus two plus two until the end of turn. So. You can just have, you know, we can just be out of nowhere. You can have some massive blowouts with that. Um, but I guess, like, a lot of uh, what, what is interesting about it is uh, you you can kind of plan your turns because you're, you're playing forward, these Safaris. So, like, a lot of time you're kind of, you know, them on matchup, you're either going wide and uh, going big, going wide and anthems to attack uh, or to win races, uh, or you're you're just planning on getting an early Safari turn. Um, I guess, kind of, I think two things this deck has going for it is that it has a very good matchup against the, uh, I'm seeing a lot of the blue green flash deck. Uh, and I think that matchup was very good because, but well, post board you just bring the fairies in, and the fairy does shut down the the flash checks so much. It's a uh, it's pretty hilarious. You, know, you you just be winning. Um, 
you just be winning your head and they have like five cards at hand and like four lands in play. And you're thinking, God, why aren't they why aren't they playing anything? Uh when you have to parry out and then uh, they just you know their turn, they just main phase pay three two. And you're like, Oh yes, you know, the fairy doesn't just shut down instance, it shuts down all spells uh that you can play at instant speed, which is um is pretty great. Uh but yeah, I think I think this this you know, it's a sect that seems unassuming that has uh, has a lot going for it because like you can just you can be going for, you can you can kind of just plan turns ahead to be like you know maybe um take off four lands and play you got an empty card right, let's say you an empty board you have four lands and play the end of their turn you play a deploy you'll flash in two ones uh and then on your turn you just play a hanged hanged executioner um and then yeah, so, so now, at this point now you have you have uh yeah four flyers and play then you just play safari boom and usually that's that's enough to shut down games. And to win, and one more thing. Also, one of your one of your flyers is uh, Siren Stormtamer. So you can I usually play Siren Siren Stormtamers later. Uh, I would usually want to play them on the same turn that I'm playing uh, Safara, because if you have Siren Stormtamer Safara out and then one untapped blue source, uh, you're just completely untouchable. That yeah, all your other flyers have have um, you're protecting Safara, and Safara is giving everything else uh, indestructible. Quite powerful. Yeah, that does seem good. I, I don't know necessarily if Safara is where I would want to be in that deck, and certainly I, I feel like four is too many to start with, but I do like the ability to have Teferi out of the sideboard, uh, like you mentioned, that just gives the deck an extra kind of layer, and I played against it there, and I lost against it there as well because of Teferi just bouncing my stuff. Um, this was when I was playing like the ramp deck, so I played... A giant uh, hydroid crisis, and I was like, "Oh well, they can just never attack me again now, so that's fine. I'm gonna win." But then my opponent played the fairy, and even though I had gained some life off the hydroid crisis, I, you know, it was I played it for like x equals six or something, so I gained like three life. But my opponent had a favorable favorable wins out, so they just bounced it with the fairy and attacked me for like eight, and then I was very very low enough that they could attack me and kill me next turn and I, I also think the hanged executioner uh, gives a lot of that kind of versatility to the deck as well just being able to clear the odd flying blocker because i do think that flying is actually really strong right now and in in constructed there's not that many problematic flying blockers for you to get past like the only thing that people are playing really is the the cut the the pirate the the spectral sailor so yeah in in the blue green flash deck like you said and then like a few people are playing hydroid crisis and other than that there, i can't really think of many flyers that have been played right now so flying is essentially unblockable uh i guess people are playing cavalier of thorns but a lot of the time your your board is so wide that the reach like the, the single blocker isn't going to mean a lot to you uh so yeah i, I do yeah. think actually the, the deck could be pretty well positioned right now even though i don't like it um but yeah, seems like a cool deck. Yeah, and I, I've I've tried out other builds without Safara. Sometimes you're playing playing other lists. I was playing Loxalons uh, instead of Safara, playing you know, with the very uh, main board, uh, which I think also makes sense. Uh, but I think it's yeah, I just I just like the deck very much. And I think it's one more thing as well is that when you're playing like mini deck and you get board wipes, obviously you're kind of, you're kind of playing around board wipes. Um, I guess between hang hang next executioner and uh, pose deploy. Like that, that allows you to recover from a board wipe very, very quickly. Uh, we do with just one or two cards, and then you know, they're, they're sizable bodies if you have a, uh, a favorite wins out. Um, but yeah, another thing is that, like, sometimes imagine, imagine if you're Esper, you're playing against a uh, 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 you're playing against a deck of style, and you completely let's say you stabilize on six, and you completely recover it. So, usually, against a standard white media deck, it's like, yeah, you know, once they take control of the game, all your creatures are individually so crappy that you know, there's no way you're going to so bottom catch up again. 
if uh, you know if you're just drawing, if you're top decking and you just top deck one fairy miscreant and it's, it's very mopey. But um, sometimes you just play Safara for seven mana uh, after they, after they take control of the game. You just you just tap. You know, if you have seven lands out uh, by by the late game, you're behind. You just play this. And uh, sometimes, even though they've controlled the game, they have cards on hand. Sometimes you just play this opponent. Uh, you know, appears to pause and then uh, they just concede. Um, <laughs> so you're just playing a, a an absurd top end card in your white mini deck. Just, <laughs> it's just, like a lot. Like, I, I more times than once I have cast this for uh, uh, its cost oh, wow. uh, when I've been very far behind. Because yeah, when, when you're when you're getting, when you're making your seventh land drop, you know, that's a sign you're already. So now you just have, have this insane card to catch up, <laughs> catch up again with. It's a, yeah, that does that does seem like a a nice extra dimension to have. And I mean, even just the fact that the deck has anthems, like obviously Empyrean Eagle is. Empyrean Eagle is a uh, is a creature itself, so it dies in board wipes or whatever. But the fact that you have anthems that you can put on the board that don't die to board wipes, which is you know unlike uh, unlike the normal white weenie decks, you know the Banalish Marshal and Loxodon, they both die to board wipes. So the fact that you have favorable wins that can kind of stay in play means that anything that you do top deck can be really good. Can all of a sudden be a th- like a, like a two two flyer is is a clock, you know. And presumably, yeah, exactly. if your opponent has been forced to board wipe you, you are already putting them under some pressure. So, like, you know, they might be at, like, seven or eight life, and you top deck, you know, like you said, a single fairy miscreant. You're like, okay, yeah, I'll put it in play, and, you know, they're going to have to deal with it in the next three turns or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And it's, uh, yeah, and then, you know, some of your top decks are making two, uh, two, two flyers. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah, so it, 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 it is surprisingly, surprisingly um, resilient for a white mini deck. And uh, even though you're playing all these bad creatures, it's, it's kind of like not necessarily that all in. I guess it is very all in. You're, you're playing Safari, but uh, it's yeah. You have there's there are plenty of dimensions. So I feel like yeah, because I feel like with the elemental deck, I was really just going through the same motions in every matchup. That you're kind of you're, you're you have the same game plan in every matchup. I guess with it with the uh, elemental decks. Uh, whereas I guess in this, you, yeah, so you do have the ability to kind of you know change your matchup or change your approach in each matchup, uh, which is quite rare for an aggressive deck. Yeah, that's definitely really good. All right, so those are our recommendations for playing this week uh, Cavalcade of Calamity and Blue-Eye Flyers so I think that's going to do it for us this week I don't think we have anything more to discuss I believe it is yeah so um, you can email us if you want to correct any information that we have stated wrongly in this podcast you can email us at skullcrackpodcast at gmail.com that's crack spelled C-R-A-I-C you can tweet at us as well for the same reason or just to tell us that you let you enjoy the podcast that would be great it's uh, at Skullcrack that's so good yeah, and hopefully Kieran will be back from his Holly Bobs next week. I mean, he definitely will. So, <laughs> <We'll see. laughs> live in Kerry forever. <laughs> yes, he's gone now. <laughs> Kerry has taken him. Uh, yeah, so he's falling in with those Heady Ray boys. Yeah, he'll be back next week. We still won't have any information on the archery set, but we will in this in the the episode after that. So until next week, bye bye. Bye bye. Had uh, many new set releases uh, over the last over the last while, and um, 
Yeah, something that we usually do, with something that I have been neglecting to do when new set releases is uh, check out Magic to Circle Jerking because, as you know, with new cards and new sets come new memes. <laughs> and um, we're going to play a game I like to call, But What Do You Meme? Oh, no. Um, so I guess I, I, don't have, I don't have any here, but uh, we'll, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll start off with that. Uh, so this is the, uh, the most upvoted um, I guess yeah, the, of the last month, this is a, the, the number one post on Magic Circle Jerking. Uh, you might have seen this if you were a fan of the jerking. I am not. Um, as I like to call it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, so I guess I'm just going to read the title of this, and then you have to, t- if you can, uh, tell me the context of uh, the story behind this meme. Okay. Um, so in inverted commas, it says, MTG card back. Upvote this so that Channel Fireball interns see it when they Google MTG card back. Okay. And what's the image? Is it an MTG card back? The image is... <laughs> It's an actually yeah, it's magic adding card back, but it has an extra color, an extra mana symbol of uh, purple okay. with uh, the five others. I, I do, I do know. I'm aware of this one. So there was a uh, what was it? I think it was at the it was at one of the magic fests. Uh, Maria Bartholdi was doing some kind of a presentation or something, and she had a monitor in the background behind her, and there was a card back there with a an extra color of purple on it, and people were like, whoa. What's going on? Is something leaked? Do, are they adding an extra color to this game? But then it just turned out to be somebody, when they were putting together the graphics for Channel Fireball, they they just Googled MTG card back and picked the first one that they found, which happened to be this fake one with a, an extra color on it. Yeah, the, the, the tournament was... I actually can't, I have an article open here, but I can't see the tournament name. It was a hashtag MTG uh, DFW. That's Dallas Fourthworth, is that? Yeah. Was, was that a Mythic Championship there? But um, yeah, it's... I just, I, I, I just love the story so much because I think it just shows how, like at the end of the day, these are just people, and it's uh, this article shows that it's evident that they just, they had just, um, yeah, someone just had googled, they needed an image of a Magic Gathering card back, uh, yeah, for this, for this presentation. Um, so it says here, uh, yeah, so yeah, so the slide itself says Magic Fest Las Vegas Commander Celebration for a non-foil and non-foil promo Commander Party with special guests, and yeah, they just wanted a picture of a Magic card back uh, for this slide. Uh, which had nothing to do with magic cards on and the backs of magic cards. Uh, yeah, there's evidence someone had just Googled magic card back. And uh, this article shows that yeah, if you go to Google Images and type in magic card back, um, it's actually not the first one, but it is uh, quite far down the list of images uh, is um, uh, this, yeah, this, this image with uh, six, um, six math symbols on it. So I think this was like a, I think it was Pinner Chaos, that they were, wizards were planning on having a sixth color um, in Pinner Chaos. So you know, this is probably just a, a, um, a was like a template or a mock uh, image uh, kind of for that uh, when they were planning that. Or maybe it was just kind of a fan-made, a fan uh, Yeah, <laughs> it ended up on a presentation just from something as simple as someone just quickly, uh, oh yeah, I'll just do a quick Google search of uh, Carmack. Yeah, here you go, throw it in, boom, we're done. Um, and you know, who's going who's gonna to check to see if the number of mana symbols you have uh, on the back of your card is correct? But yeah, just, yeah this, this is, so this is a, a meme of, you know, upvote this so people who uh, search for this see this. <laughs> I do enjoy those memes. I think it's yeah. Like what is a picture of a uh, Palpatine? It's like upvote, upvote like Senate, the Senate upvotes this so people see uh, Steve Palpatine when uh, they they Google search the Senate. Yeah, he is the Senate. Um, <laughs> he is certainly. Okay, is. So another one very quickly is a. Uh, so this is a tweet. So someone has uh, edited a tweet of a famous person. Um, I want you to tell me who that person is. Okay. So uh, the edited tweet. Uh, no, I'm just gonna have to find it. Um, I've I've gone off topic. Okay. Oh yeah. Sorry. It's um. So the tweet says, "Oh yeah, Omnath was actually green, red, blue the entire time." 
Um, so wait, this hmm. So it's an so this is a, a famous person. Oh. Yeah, so a fa- famous person, not necessarily associated with magic. Oh, uh, has is appearing to tweet this. Oh, I have no idea. No, this is a uh, J.K. Rowling. Ah, uh, okay, okay, okay. I get it. I get it. Yeah, because this is um, <laughs> like I said, I usually should save my by ranting about uh, about books and fiction for um for the uh for, for the next podcast for our other podcast. But it is something that obviously yeah, pe- people kind of say, oh, yo, she's just looking for attention, blah blah blah. Um, I guess it's something that, that yeah, she has the headlines before from uh, reconning um, reconning characters in her books after they've been printed. But I guess something that stood out to me was that you know back after like almost immediately after the release of Deathly Hallows, um, you know I read it very very quickly and yeah it was it was a fairly disappointing finish of the series. Uh, I remember kind of I was like trawling through lots of different forums and stuff to try and get get some more closure. Um, and then I get, so then around that time. She announced that she was doing a live Q&A on some website. I think it was called the Chamber of Secrets. Uh, so she's doing a live Q&A, uh, which I took part in. And I was like, oh, great. We're going to find out some closure. We're going to find out. I, know, I, I guess I was kind of thinking it more of like, a, you know, we're going to see what her tensions were. You know, did she, did she found it? Did hellos from the start? You know, what kind of, um, yeah, kind of what kind of, what went into the writing of this? But like all the questions people were asking were stuff like, oh, what's Neville Longbottom doing now? And then she'd just say, oh, he's living in this place. He married this person and he's doing very well. And like all the questions were like that, and it was, it was like she's talking about this. It's, it's, she talked about this as if it's real, and uh, I, I was, and I was just because obviously I was a big, big fan of the series, and you know, basically in love with the series. And like, I, well, while you know, uh, is that the hype, uh, the height of the Harry Potter hype? Right? Just, you know, I just breathed at Harry Potter. Um, I absolutely loved it. And I guess like this is <laughs> so as much as I loved it, uh, and as, as much you know, I. You know, as a kid, would have dreamed about someday going to Hogwarts and meeting all these people. And I think I actually did. I write fan fiction. I know I didn't write fan fiction, but I was very close to writing Harry Potter fan fiction. Mm. Um, like I was like super, super fan at this point. And then when I seen this, I was like, no, no, this, this is too much. This is like she's literally like it's kind of blurring the line between like it's a piece of work that's finished. It's very, very good, and she's just literally making shit up. Um, yeah, just yeah, and like people and like so. I guess it's kind of like it's a. What I realized, what I was doing was a very kind of unhealthy thing of, uh, I want more closure from this book. I'm going to go and find out what happened, which is like, oh, that's not really how you, that's, that's, that's not really how um, you should walk away from, you know, a, a piece of art to be like, I want more. Yeah, but the fact that these people were, yeah, all these fans were, or had this health, unhealthy relationship where they just wanted to find out more. And she was really like kind of encouraging that behavior of, of uh, oh, well, what would you like to know? Hey, we, just. Yeah, if you have a favorite character, just ask me about them, and I'll make something up. Um, <laughs> so I guess you know. So this was days after the release of the Deathly Hallows. Uh, so what I did not realize was that I was um, witnessing the, uh, I guess you could say, the inception of uh, Pottermore. Um, Pottermore is like a, it's 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 a website. It's like a collection of uh, all you know tidbits about the Harry Potter, uh, the Potterverse. They call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, has lots of different articles. Um, so recently, another one of these made headlines. Um, are you aware of this? The uh, the, the poop one? No. Oh, you don't notice? Oh my god, I'm gonna. What is this? Well, you can probably hear some clicking. I'm just gonna try and find the actual tweet. So now uh, this wasn't necessarily tweeted by JK Rowling herself. This is tweeted by the uh, Pottermore Twitter. Uh, I think it's like they have, there's like a like a fact of the day hashtag where they just you know this is a, a, a Twitter account that just get basically pulls tidbits information from uh, the the website Pottermore, which is like a huge yeah huge compendium of like a whole lot of kind of you know history of Hogwarts and kind of short stories about Hogwarts. It's all. As far as I know, it's it's uh, I think it's all written by J.K. Rowling or by contributors, but a lot a lot of it is written by her. Uh, I might be wrong with this. Uh, other pod nerds, nerds can feel free to write in and correct me. Um, but yeah, so this is a uh, so this was this, this was uh, tweeted by the Pottermore um, 
Twitter, maybe about two months ago now. Um, sorry, this was in, oh, sorry, January. This is in January this year. Um, the tweet is, Hogwarts plumbing became more elaborate in the 18th century. This was rare. This was a rare instance of wizards copying muggles because hitherto they simply relieved themselves wherever they stood and banished the evidence. What? Oh my God. That is amazing. So they just, they just uh, bend down and shit and then they just did a magic spell to get rid of the shit. Exactly. Why can't they just do that? Why can't they just have like enchanted toilets and have no plumbing? <laughs> and then you just I know, and it, poop into a little thing and it goes down the pipe and then the pipe doesn't go to anywhere. The pipe just has an enchantment on it that, that deletes the poo. What the hell? Exactly, yeah. And it, if you can vanish poo, why not just vanish the poo like, you know, in your, in your colon before it comes out? Oh my God. <laughs> and then it's like, Oh, it reminds me of that uh, Futurama joke where uh, it was a fry is like in, in, a, in, a, in, in, a, in a cell or prison or something and he's, he's talking to uh, um, Leia, is her name? Yeah, he's like, say, oh, Leia, it's, it's uh, what, what's, what's her name in Futurama? Leela. Leia? Leela. She's like, oh, Leela, it's awful. I, I'm like an animal. I, I, I just, you know, I just, my droppings just drop wherever they fall like an animal. And she says, well, animals usually go in the corner. <laughs> yeah. so it's like yeah like just because they don't have toilets doesn't mean you have to shit on the ground like I, and I think it's I think there's kind of two aspects of this uh, I'm kind of reading on, on a subreddit how like this kind of retconning you know <laughs> to excuse the turn of phrase you know putting stuff out of your ass after the, the, the series is finished it's also like a lot of this conflicts with stuff already established in the story uh, we had, there's a whole backstory of um, the Chamber of Secrets being built, you know, under under a bathroom in Hogwarts. Yeah. Uh, which is a bathroom that should... Yeah, and this is a bathroom that, that predates um, the Industrial Revolution. Yeah. Uh, I think it's like 700 years old that they said Chamber of Secrets was. So, like, you kind of assume that they had bathrooms. Yeah, they, so they, they obviously had bathrooms back when uh, was it Sal- Salazar Slytherin uh, built the Chamber of Secrets. Um, or even... So, yeah, it obviously has some kind of... At the very least, like, I'm sure outhouses were common. They didn't just... Yeah. Pop a squat wherever. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and, and yeah, that's another thing. That's another point I was gonna make was that yeah, so you got this conflict, the actual history of Hogwarts established in book two where yeah, the Chamber of Secrets was built under a bathroom. Uh, which yeah, what probably was like you're saying, uh, an outhouse or some kind of prim- primitive you know, pre-plumbing uh, bathroom. But then like there's also oh, I wanna say I wanna say it's in the in the first book, uh when Harry finds the mirror of uh Erisad. No yeah, Erisad. Uh, he finds Mirror of Erisad, he beats Dumbledore, he kind of says, oh, this is a secret area in, in Hogwarts. And then uh, Dumbledore alludes to uh, him saying, oh, I'm, I'm constantly finding little secrets around around around, uh, around Hogwarts, you know. Like, uh, one day I, I, I woke up in the middle of the night to relieve myself, and uh, I was trying to find, you know, a place to go. I opened up one door, and lo and behold, it was full of chamber pots. So, and this is something that we'd later learn, I think, in book five, we learned that this was uh, the Room of Requirements, which is a room that... Uh, whatever you want, whatever you're looking for is going to be in this room. Um, so this, this shows that Dumbledore, he woke up, he needed to go to the bathroom. He thought of, he was thinking of chamber pots because chamber pots existed while he was alive. Uh, and he found this room and the room requirements was full of chamber pots. So this is established that even even in the current, you know, the, the even while, yeah, even kind of in the 20th century, chamber pots are still on the minds of wizards. Uh, to use to go to to, to use to to read themselves. So, like chamber pots existed. Chamber pots, chamber pots existed before um, the before, yeah before this you know muggle plumbing came in. So like why if that was the case? Why are, why are they shit on the floor? It's very unusual. We've also gone very yeah. field from magic to circle jerking. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 this. I, I think I didn't realize that you didn't know about this. Um, <laughs> that's why I went so deep into it. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, <laughs> I guess you could wrap up somewhere around there. 
um, if uh, if you would like to hear some more um, of uh, me and David Wolf ranting about uh, poorly written fiction, uh, you can check out our other podcast, uh, Uncharted Pages, which you can find on your um, on iTunes and your podcast supplier. Wherever you, pay, wherever you hear this podcast, uh, you can find Uncharted Pages, yep. uh, where you'll hear similar rants. All right. And I think that's going to do it for us this week. Bye-bye. Bye.